Oh, we do hope that you've uh, had a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, as the long weekend uh, comes to a close, uh, Christmas is fast approaching, isn't it? But before we uh, go uh, kind of full bore into the season of, of uh, getting and giving and all of those things, we wanted to take just a, a little bit of time this weekend and just remind ourselves of a truth that is uh, true for all seasons, uh, and that is that uh, while for our nation Thanksgiving's a holiday, a holiday that we quickly kind of blow through on our way to, to Christmas. For followers of Jesus Christ, Thanksgiving is to be every day. It, it is to be part of the, the fabric and the rhythm of our everyday lives. Paul, is closing his letter to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, he kind of closes with a series of really short, pithy statements or, or commands. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And then in verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And yet that's challenging, isn't it? When I think about that verse and I think about Thanksgiving, I, I think about a story that Nancy Ortberg wrote years ago. It was of her time as a nurse, and she talked about one 14-year-old girl that she had kind of early in her nursing career that really marked her in many ways. She had not yet met the girl, and she was reading the chart to get some of the background and had come to understand that this uh, young lady at 14 years old uh, had been involved in a dirt bike accident, and because of that accident, uh, they had to amputate uh, part of one of her legs. And she was just trying to imagine, what is it like? What is it like to be a 14-year-old girl and to have lost part of your leg, and, and what thoughts, what emotions, what, what was going through this young lady's life. And she said she first met her down in the, the physical therapy area, and is introduced and kind of went through some of the formalities. Uh, the young lady was sitting in this little whirlpool, and she said she just blew Nancy away. She said she lifted up her leg with her hands and said, see how much I have left. See how much I have left. And she went on to explain that because it was, it was taken below the knee, that it was going to be easier for her to, to get, be fitted for a prosthesis. And she talked about that process and wondered how long it would take to heal so she could enter into that and going on with all these things. And Nancy Wright, she said, you know, I, I really didn't hear everything that she was saying right then because I was just so blown away. Because here was this young girl, and it wasn't Pollyanna, and it wasn't fake. It just seemed this, this genuine gratitude. Look how much I have left. Look how much I have left. We don't always think that way, do we? And yet it's part of our calling as followers of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, why don't we do that? 
Why do sometimes we find it challenging or difficult to to give thanks, to be grateful, to focus on what we have left instead of what we have lost or what we're missing? And I think there are a lot of different things that can steal our gratitude, and maybe you can identify with one or more of these. First, perhaps on the list would be pride. Just pride can sometimes steal our gratitude because we think, oh, wait a minute, I've worked hard. Nobody's given me anything. I've, I've done all these things. I've accomplished or, or whatever. Or maybe we're aware of somebody that not only didn't help us, but maybe even made it more difficult along the way. And sometimes pride can work against us. It can work against us recognizing that, that even all the capacities that we have, the capacity to think, to act, to work, to breathe, or our hearts to be, all of that comes as a gift from God. Pride can steal our gratitude, but so can a critical spirit, right? Have you ever been around somebody that, that no matter how good something is, they find something wrong, right? <laughs> Don't those folks just, just brighten the room every time they leave? Uh, you know, I mean, it's like there's like 99 things that are right and one thing that are wrong, and they will make a beeline to the one thing that's just a little off, right? And sometimes we can find ourselves engaging in kind of that critical spirit, <clears throat> that critical attitude. I, I honestly think it, we're just getting fed that continually as our culture. I mean, you turn on a TV or news or uh, the radio or podcast or whatever it is, and it seems like it's just like criticism sells, right? And there's always kind of almost always an attack mode, always in, in some sort of, of critique or criticism along the way. And it can steal our sense of gratitude and thanksgiving. Sometimes just plain old busyness. Just busyness. I am going from thing to thing to thing to thing. Demand, 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 demand. Every person wants another piece of me and I feel like I don't hardly have time to breathe, much less say thank you. Because there's always something else coming. There's always something else to do, something else to accomplish along the way. Sometimes we just get careless. There's this carelessness with the common. The the, the common blessing, the blessings of life that God in his common grace, if you will, have poured out so richly upon us. And we just kind of take them for granted. We can get a little careless, you know. And what what we were grateful for today becomes commonplace and even unsatisfactory for tomorrow. And now we need something bigger or faster or shiny or newer or upgraded this or whatever it might be. And we can get a little careless at times with just the common grace of God upon our lives. And then there's kind of that whole category that maybe some of you are living with even right now. And that's discouragement and disappointment. You know, when life doesn't go like you thought it was going to go, when somebody lets you down, maybe betrays you, hurts you, when, when, there's, when there's discouragement that you had this dream or you thought it was going to work this way and things went sideways or, or something came into your life that you didn't expect, and sometimes when we hit, sometimes even it feels like wave after wave of discouragement or disappointment, it can steal our gratitude along the way. And I don't know where you are today, but maybe just even occasionally doing an inventory of, of what, what, what are kind of the enemies of gratitude in my life today. What is it that, that might be stealing some of my sense of, of gratitude and thanksgiving? 
But that call is still there. That call is still there to live with thanksgiving. In fact, as according to the Bible, thanksgiving is expected. It is expected. It's something that is expected of us. We read just a moment ago, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not just when there's like an abundance of food at the table, right? In all circumstances. But you don't understand my circumstances. I don't, but God does. And the command is still there. To give thanks in all circumstances. Sometimes I say, well, what's God's will for my life? And I'm trying to, and usually it's kind of like, do I choose A or B or do I do this or move here or whatever it is? And I always try to encourage folks, you know, the place to start in knowing God's will is to start with what things he's already told us in his word. That if I am doing all those things that God has already commanded in his word, I'm in the best position to understand his direction for all those other areas of my life. But if I'm ignoring the things he's already said in black and white, uh, then why should I expect that I'm going to be any more sensitive or open to uh, the leadership of God in those other areas? It's the will of God for me to give thanks in all circumstances. It is an expectation of God, of those who he has created, those who he has redeemed in Jesus Christ, uh, that we would give thanks to him. But it's not only to be expected, but the scripture reminds us it's something to be expressed. It's not enough to feel grateful. And most of us will say, well, I, I, I'm grateful. I, I feel grateful. I have feelings of gratitude that well up at least every once in a while. And yet it is something to be expressed. There is something about not only feeling it or thinking it, but expressing it that counts. The 100th Psalm uh, encourages us, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. And bless his name. It's not enough to feel it, but it has to be expressed. Five psalms later, the 105th Psalm. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. This is something out loud. This is something that is evident not only to yourself, not only to God, but at times even to others along the way. William Arthur Ward put it this way, feeling gratitude and not expressing it, it's like wrapping a gift and not giving it. And it kind of misses the point, doesn't it? You've gone to all this uh, trouble to wrap this gift, and, but you never give it. To have gratitude and not express thanksgiving is missing the point. But it's not just because, it's not this sense of, well, God's like this egomaniac and needs, needs us to kind of stroke his ego by giving thanks. No, not at all. Actually, what we find is that you and I need to give thanks because the Bible reminds us it's not only expected and it's to be expressed, but it's enhancing. That when I give thanks, it actually enhances my life. It certainly gives proper honor and respect and glory to the one to whom all is due, uh, but it also enhances my life. So we come to scriptures like Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, that key phrase, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, it's when we come before him and we, we open up our lives and our hearts to him. We, we come before him, prayer and supplication, but it is with thanksgiving. It's not like a, a child coming with their Christmas list, right? Here, here are the things that I want you to, to give, Santa, like boom, 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 right? And sometimes that's the kind of how we approach prayer. You know, God, I am showing up and this is my list. Boom, 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 boom. Right? No. As you come, prayer, supplication, absolutely cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you, but with thanksgiving. And what happens? What happens? There is a peace. There's a peace beyond all comprehension, a peace that doesn't make sense to the world, a peace that guards our hearts and our minds. In Christ Jesus, but it's connected to prayer, prayer with thanksgiving. To the Romans, Paul kind of talked about the opposite, what happens when we don't live that way. For although they knew God, he's writing about people, they knew God, knew of God perhaps. They did not honor him as God or, watch this, give thanks to him. And what happens in the absence of honoring him and giving thanks to him? But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. That there is a life-enhancing connection between thanksgiving and a peace, but there is also this life-draining connection between a lack of honor, a lack of thanksgiving, and we grow futile in our speculation and our thinking. And our hearts can become progressively darkened along the way. And sometimes as I read some of those first chapters of Romans, I just seem like, wow, this is a diagnosis, is it not, of the times in which we live? And it seems like at times there's an increasing futility in our thinking despite all of our education all of our technology. And there is a darkening of hearts. And absence of honoring God, absence of thanksgiving to God feeds those things. Gratitude, giving thanks to God is life enhancing. And so this morning, I, I want to just remind you and I of, of three reasons at least that you and I have to be thankful. Three at least beginning places to give thanks to God this morning. And then actually we're going to end our time uh, today actually engaging in a couple of moments of giving thanks to God. Well, why would we give thanks to God? Well, first of all, for the, all the resources that God has provided. For the resources that God has provided for us. James reminds us every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. We talked last month in a series about being rich. Yes, you worked hard. Yes, you applied skills and all those things, but we recognize the opportunities to do that, the aptitudes, the skills, all of that comes from God. Even the beating of my heart and the breath of my lungs, it all comes from God. And we rejoice and we give thanks for every good and perfect gift. To Timothy, 
Timothy, Paul wrote, for everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. That there is this this openness to all the things that God would bring into my life and to receive that with thanksgiving. So what is it that God has provided? Well, gosh, what an endless list, right? Let's just think of categories. How about physical resources? And, you know, we were able to move, right? Some of us a little less agile than a week ago because we put on a couple pounds, but we're able to move, right? We're able to move. And, and uh, we, we have uh, just, you know, homes and cars and clothes, you know, all those things. But just even our, our physical body and the material resources that we have, I mean, we are just so incredibly blessed. I mean, I, I, mean, I, just, I just marvel, and, and some of you spend tons more time in this. This is your field of study, but I marvel at the, at the, the awesome complexity of the human body. It is, it, is, it is wonderful. It is majestic. It is complex. It is resilient. And, and then at the same time, it can be so sensitive and so fragile. And just one little thing can seemingly uh, spin off and, and, and affect so many other areas. And we're blessed physically. We're blessed materially. And we certainly uh, just tried to remind ourselves of that uh, last month. How about the spiritual resources we have? Uh, the, you know, prayer, the, a gift of the copy of God's Word in a language we can understand, and, uh, the, the body of Christ. And, uh, my goodness, we are, we are so blessed. The, the indwelling Holy Spirit, uh, access to God, uh, forgiveness of our sin, on and on and on it goes. The spiritual resources we have. How about those relational resources? How about the people that are important in your life now? Your family, your friends, your coworkers. But broaden that out even just a little bit. Think, think, about, think about the people that God has intersected your path with along the way. People who encouraged you, people perhaps who taught you, someone in school, someone in your early stages of your career, someone that, that just spoke a right word, maybe even a difficult, a challenging word along the way, but uh, someone who supported you, someone who has prayed for you, someone who has encouraged you. Think of all that, that band of relationships that God has, has brought into our lives, and, and we could just spend time saying, God, thank you. Thank you for those relationships resources. Some of them I'm thriving in now. Some that, that they're kind of no longer an active part of my life, but my life continues to be blessed by that relationship along the way. Educational resources, man, alive. Are we not blessed? I mean, to be able to have access to educational resources, uh, uh, you just even think about our local school systems, and we have uh, many men and women in our fellowship that are part of the education system here, and, and how blessed we are, and, and then you go on to think about all the opportunities we have, and, and my goodness, the resources we have online, or whatever it might be. And again, this list could go on and on and on, but I, I give you just a few of those to prime the pump this morning, just to say, here are some resources that God in his grace and his mercy, that common grace to us has provided to us. But not only do we give thanks for the resources that God provides, but we can give thanks for the providence of God. For the providence 
of God, for the one who watches over all and rules and reigns in all. Psalm 97, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. I don't know about you, but there, there, there are weeks when it seems like there, there's so much madness in the world. There's so much brokenness in the world. There's so much craziness going on that, that I, I would be so utterly discouraged if I did not have confidence in the providence of God in the sovereign rule and reign of God, of the God who, when things seem to be so out of control, reminds me that he is absolutely in control. And it's not just looking at the big world, but sometimes it's just our world, isn't it? Our world. And maybe that's where some of you find yourself this season. It's just like, wow. <laughs> it's just, just multiple fronts. I mean, I, I've said for years, I, I am convinced that problems rarely travel alone. They usually travel in packs, right? And they come and they bring friends with them when they come, right? And it seems like you can just go through those seasons when you're just getting hit kind of right and left. And in those moments, I have to say, God, I don't, I don't like all these things that are going on, but I am so thankful for the one who reigns over all. I am so thankful because that's what gives power to that promise of Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things, hard things, good things, difficult things, unexpected things, surprises that, uh, that blow us away and their goodness and things that, that just knock our feet out from underneath us and all things work together for good for those who are called according to to his purpose. And so we can give thanks for this providential hand of God, his sovereign reign over all. And Paul perhaps was the very embodiment of that. He not only wrote to the Romans, but he, he lived it out. He talked a little bit about his personal journey in 2 Corinthians. But we have this treasure. He talks about the treasure of the gospel. We have this treasure in jars of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And he talks a little of his journey. But we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Why? Paul, how could you endure all of those things, the, the beatings, the imprisonments, the shipwrecks, uh, on and on and on it goes. How could you bear all of that? And he goes on and talks about the why in, in, in just a few verses later. For it is all for your sake, as he's writing to the Corinthians, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase what? thanksgiving. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction, that phrase has always blown me away. Because I got to tell you, when I'm in the middle of affliction, it doesn't feel light and it doesn't feel momentary. <laughs> It feels heavy, and I wonder if it's ever going to stop. Right. 
for this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. He had this, this perspective, that dot in the line that we talked about last week. He understood. He understood a God who was sovereign over all, who reigned over all, who was working in the midst of all these things, that even in hardship was extending the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God was doing things that for the, seen from the perspective of the line are light and momentary compared to the eternal weight of glory. And he could celebrate the God who was doing things that we did not always fully see. But he took strength and comfort in the sovereign hand of God. Oh, we give thanks for the, the resources that God provides. We give thanks for the providence, the sovereign rule and reign of God. But for followers of Jesus Christ, those who name his name, perhaps the greatest thing we give thanks for is the salvation God has provided in Jesus Christ. The salvation that he has provided uniquely and singularly in Jesus Christ. To the Colossians, Paul wrote, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you He's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, that, that God intervened. Uh, that's what we remind ourselves even as Christmas comes at this, at this intervention in this moment in time when, when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and He came not just for the purpose of, uh, of a few Christmas hymns and a babe in the manger, but the babe in the manger in Bethlehem was coming for the cross that would be on Calvary. And He did all of that. To move you and I, rebellious, not having room for God, interested in self-rule rather than dependence upon him. And he came to deliver us from the domain, the dominion of darkness, and put us, transfer us into the kingdom of his beloved son. And so Paul would go on in 1 Corinthians and he would talk about the resurrection and he would talk about death. Where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And then he says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That sin doesn't have the final word. Uh, that death doesn't have the final word. That my rebellion doesn't have the final word. That I don't get what I deserve, but I get what Jesus Christ purchased for me and I give thanks to God because he has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oswald Chambers put it this way, the thing that awakens the deepest well of gratitude in a human heart is that God has forgiven sin. Let us be thankful for so many things. 
but let the deepest well of gratitude spring forth when we recognize the depth of our need and the depth of our sin and the intervening grace of Jesus Christ to forgive us. In 1860, there was perhaps one of the worst maritime disasters on Lake Michigan. It was the sinking unexpectedly of the Lady Elgin. Let me give you a little of the background on that story. It's nearly midnight on Friday, September 7th, 1860. Before the Lady Elgin eased into the waters of Lake Michigan on its overnight return trip from Chicago to Milwaukee. A passenger list of about 400 were on board, comprising mostly a Union militia group and their families who had planned this late summer day trip as a fundraiser for their unit. The evening's activities had ended with dinner, dancing, and a speech by a Democratic presidential candidate, Stephen A. Douglas. And though the wind and spitting rain threatened ominous weather, causing the captain to ponder delaying the voyage till morning, the decision was finally made to heave anchor. Spirits remained high among the partygoers long into the night as the spacious salons on board the Lady Elgin buzzed with music and dancing. It was sometime between 2 and 2.30 in the morning while the band was still playing that a tremendous jarring shook the entire vessel, shattering oil lamps and sending passengers into a darkened, rolling panic. Augusta, a 130-foot schooner loaded with lumber and hurtling recklessly at full sail in the high wind had struck Lady Elgin's left rear side. It should have been a somewhat glancing blow, the much smaller Augusta getting the worst of the accident. In fact, the crew of the steamer waved Augusta on, sure that the schooner was in greater need of haste toward the shoreline. But within half an hour, the boilers and engine had broken through the weakened bottom of the steamer further rupturing the hull. The great ship was shivering off in pieces. Lady Elgin was sinking rapidly. For six hours, survivors floated on lifeboats and other bits of wreckage while lightning crackled across the sky, illuminating the horror. The northerly winds, furious surf, drove the larger part of them backward toward a high bluff near Evanston, Illinois. Local residents and farmers waking up at the sight of wailing men and women scattered across the water. They ran for help trying to organize a rescue party. Among those recruited was a young man by the name of Edward Spencer, a seminary student from nearby Northwestern University who had grown up along the Mississippi River and knew how to handle himself in the water. Tying a long rope around his waist, Diving into the choppy waters of western Lake Michigan, he pulled victim after victim to shore, struggling hard against the ferocious undertow that was claiming the last strength of many along the cliff walls so tantalizingly close to safety. While lunging and heaving with one person after another under his strong arm, the sharp edges of floating debris grazed his body and head. Again and again, he returned to the shore with another survivor, along with a bloodied face and aching muscles. 
But gathering strength and breath around a campfire, he would spot another person thrashing weakly in the surf and tossing off the blanket that was conserving what was left of his body temperature. He hazarded out into the deep again, muscles tensing, cramping as he strained against the current. Eventually, of the 30 victims who survived along the water's edge there in Evanston, 17 of them would owe their lives to Spencer's heroic efforts. But although his bravery would be the beginning of a new life for many, it became the end of the dream for the young seminarian. Never quite able to recover from the physical toll of that fateful day, he was forced to abandon his schooling, his livelihood, and his dreams of becoming a pastor and scholar. Some remember him being nearly paralyzed the rest of his life, often confined to a wheelchair. And although his valor would at times be recalled in an occasional newspaper account or other general tributes, including a plaque there at Northwestern University, when asked by a reporter what he most recalled about the rescue, he replied, only this, of the 17 people I saved, not one of them ever thanked me. And it's staggering to think about, isn't it? When we think about what Jesus Christ did for us, we can't imagine what it costs to give up the glories of heaven and come to earth. And then to walk through what he walked through and then to go to the cross. the thing that awakens the deepest well of gratitude in a human heart should be that God has forgiven sin. And so today, even though I know the world has already moved on, that it's already been about Black Friday and Cyber Monday and on and on it goes, I thought it may be appropriate on this weekend for sure, for the people of God gathered in this place to take at least two minutes just to say thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so that's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to just pause and we may have some music going to help in the background, but we're just going to take two minutes Two minutes and just the quietness of your heart. You might want to write it out if writing helps you to stay focused or maybe just to, just to return thanks to God in the quietness of your heart and head. But in these next two minutes, we're just going to be still in, in the, His presence. And I'm just going to invite you just to say, God, today I give you thanks for And then after we've just had a couple minutes of silent prayer, I'll kind of come behind that and give voice to a prayer for us, and then we'll close by singing praise to our God. So would you take just two minutes out of, I know, a busy schedule and a busy life on a holiday weekend, two minutes to say, God, today I give you thanks for. Let's spend some time saying thank you, God.
Father, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for just even this incredible thought that you have been able to hear simultaneously out of this room hundreds of folks offering thanks and gratitude to you. And Father, that's multiplied across this planet, Lord, that, that not a one of us has escaped your attention. And Father, we, we just offer up this small sampling in just a couple of minutes of gratitude for your abundant blessing in our life. And Father, as we give thanks today, uh, most of all for Jesus Christ, who's coming in the flesh we celebrate with the approaching Christmas season. Father, thank you for saving us. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for not allowing us to uh, be experience the, the, the just consequences of our sin, but of setting us free. And Father, I, I just have to pray as we pray every single week as we gather, Lord, if there's anyone in this room right here, right now, if there's anyone who will hear these words, this prayer uh, over some uh, media uh, over the, the days ahead, Father, that does not truly know you, Father, that today with the sound of my voice, Lord, you might trigger something, that sense of desire and need, that today would be the day that they would not just know about God, but they would know, Abba, Father, through the forgiveness and grace that only comes through Jesus Christ. Father, in the busyness of this season, would you help us to live as grateful people, would you help us to give gratitude to you and to others? Would you help us to give even as you gave your son? For it's in his name that we do pray. Amen. I am going to invite you to stand with us right now if you would.